Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Co. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Did I did I do something? Don't don't make me come back there. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first time in church or you don't really know how the world works, there's this God who loves you and there's this devil who hates you. And when God wants something for you, the devil wants to get in there and distract us. See, but the devil can kind of feel what's going on because he's been losing for thousands of years. So what happens is tonight we had technical difficulties on top of more technical difficulties, on top of other technical difficulties, but my team pulled it together. Thank you, venue team. We got in late. We figured it out. Thank you to the Holy Spirit of God. But listen, I'm preaching about hypocrisy in the church. So guess what? Devil, you can't turn all the mics off. You can't shut it all down. Listen, whenever God wants to get something to you, you're going to have to fight for it because salvation is free, but everything else is going to cost you. So what we need to do in this series here is we need to go all the way in. Oh, and also baptism is coming up. Did I forget to mention that? We shot six baptisms baptism videos last Saturday night. We shot 17 last night, and we've got more to shoot this Saturday. Has God been good to the city of Airdrie? I met a lovely lady named Jody just out here uh, who I've seen before. Second time in church, maybe. She decided to give her life to Jesus before the service even starts. So just give us a bit of time. Well, heck, we might as well baptize her too, right? Guy named Jacob, we led him to Christ last night. I didn't even get to that one because my guys got in there first. We're hungry at Venue Church. We are hungry for you to experience life the way that God wanted you to experience it. But it's going to be a fight, but we got it now. We got our teeth into it now. Listen, science, suffering, and other problems with God. Has it been good? The things that are keeping people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight, hypocrisy in the church. Jonathan Swift said in The Examiner, If a lie be believed only for an hour, it hath done its work. If there is no further occasion for it, Falsehood flies and truth comes limping after it. So that when men come to be undeceived, it is too late. The just is over and the tale hath, done its, hath had its effect. Falsehood flies and the truth comes limping after it. So far in this series, we have gone through, I, I entitled the first one, Don't Drink the Kool-Aid. I thought that was quite clever of me. Listen, you already believe in something. How did you come to your belief system about God? Was it logical? Was it reasonable? Or you just like ate a certain type of sandwich and that's how you feel about God during the day? Most of us, our, our beliefs aren't that complicated. Well, what do you believe? We'll tell you and then we'll say, why do you believe that? I don't know, actually. I don't really know how I came to that. So what we're saying today is like, you already believe in something. Let's test that. And Christians too, let's test the logic of Christianity. Let's test, let's test the truth of it. It should stand up to truth and it should stand up to, to scrutiny. And so uh, the next week uh, was my personal favorite one. We did an unplugged service and I went after Canadian logic. You know why we think the way that we think? Because we're just in a Canadian moment right now. doesn't mean that it makes sense. Go back and listen to that part too. Um, the week after that, we talked about, is the Bible really true? Is it fact-based or is it just a bunch of stories? Wouldn't you want to know if you were coming to Christ? I would. Then science versus God. That was somebody's favorite. Is it science v. God or is it both and? Last week, I think, um, was probably the most impacting message on an emotional level. If you're not emotional, yes, you are. Where we went through the whole issue of pain and evil. If God is good, how can there be pain and evil in the world? How can there be so much suffering? And we went through that. 
And we answered that, but we also showed you how to deal with that. Tonight, hypocrisy. Um, Father's Day is coming up next, uh, next week, yeah? Is it next week? You guys get me something special? I feel like I'm the father of the church. <laughs> I feel like I'm whatever I need to be to get more stuff. <laughs> My dad and I are going to do like a team teach thing. So that's going to be awesome. You're going to get the dirt on Pastor Corey, and that's going to be great. Listen, um, my dad helped me transfer my allegiance and my loyalty to Christ and, and to God, my heavenly father, because I had a good father. That might not be your story. So what you're going to have to do is understand that every time that I look at, at God, my heavenly father, I see him through the eyes of my earthly father, and maybe you didn't have the advantages that I had, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you can do to change things around for your kids so they don't grow up the same way that you grew up. But, but he transferred that to God. And it wasn't that hard of a step for me. And uh, it's going to be really interesting, I think. I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but it's going to be interesting. (laughs) Now you're worried. Okay, Canada Day. Last thing on my list of, I preach my announcements. Last thing on my list of Canada Day, we're going to be showing, it's going to be super spiritual. It is July 1st. (laughs) Don't, Don't mix that one up. Cinco de July the 1st. And we're going to be doing, we're going to be showing a free, for the whole city, a free um, showing of The Last Jedi uh, for Star Wars here with a live music, what's that thing in the middle? Intervention? Intervention? We're not doing a live music intervention. Intermission. Hey, hey, hey. But we're going to play like worship songs to Jesus. So bring your neighbors up. Hey, we're, we're throwing this on for the whole family. We'll make sure there's popcorn and it's going to be a great night. Now, now church family, just eyeball to eyeball here. Are you okay sitting with me in the multi-purpose room if we've got to? Because we're going to pack this place up. Like, it's going to be crazy, busy, but we, we have to do this. And it's going to open the door for our whole series in July called Night at the Movies. And it's going to be things like, uh, this is how we're sort of thinking about it. Things I learned from Thor Ragnarok. Oh, my goodness. Things I learned from the greatest showman. Things, hey, it's going to be the place to get your unchurched friends to. It's just, it's just going to make sense to them. We're going to be teaching in and out of movie clips that they've probably seen. Oh, my goodness. I just can't even wait. To, I'm so excited. All right. Into my sermon here. We all hate hypocrisy in other people. You should have maybe seen that one coming. Like I, I just left it for like 10 seconds in there. And everyone's like, yeah, woo, yeah, we hate it. We hate, oh, yeah, there's that piece. In a recent poll showing the lifestyle of those claiming to be Christians and those not, top 10 things. There was no discernible difference between Christians, those claiming Christianity and those not claiming Christianity in the following topics. Gambling, pornography, stealing, gossip, consulting mediums or psychics, Physical fights or abusing someone, using illegal or non-prescription drugs, lying, revenge, getting drunk. The only activity that was less common for Christians, you ready? Starting to squirm. Recycling. Apparently Christians don't believe in recycling. Now if I'm on the outside of church, I'm like, I know. My neighbors are Christians. Oh, I'm going to take this on today. I'm going to blow this whole thing up. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Hypocrisy in a church is the space between what we say we're here for and what we're actually here for. What keeps so many people out of church are the people already in it. 
Oh, zingers. Oh. I'm uh, relying heavily on Mark Clark's book, The Problem of God. Mark Clark was an atheist, and he quotes Steven Weinberg. And I quote, good people will do good things, bad people will do bad things, but for good people to do bad things, that takes religion. (laughs) Things the church has supported over the years. The Crusades, homophobia, witch hunts, the Inquisition, slavery, torture, wars, and just generally being mean-spirited. And I'm going to dig into some of these things, but before I answer some of these, we need to look at the space between between who we are and who we want to be. Because sometimes I think the biggest hypocrite is in the mirror, but it's just easier if you find a bigger hypocrite. And so it's easier to look at some of these other things. But first, what I want you to do is get to this posture of humility inside of yourself so that before we go looking for, on a witch hunt, out there, we look in the mirror and, and, and as we explore Christianity and as we explore that the, all under the banner of Christianity, somehow these things have happened. Before we explore that and before you go trolling on Facebook and before you hammer this out, have you ever noticed that people who hate Christians on Facebook rarely are looking in the mirror and thinking about themselves? Now, we are going to start this in the church. This is going to be a church that is full of grace, but also a church that is full of truth. Jesus was the, the perfect blend of grace and truth. Too much grace and you've got problems. Too much truth and you've got legalism and mean-spiritedness. So what do we do with this and where do we land? I'm going to bring it. So as we get down to this, is there like a... If your name is John. John, if you're here tonight, I'm sorry. I just, this is in my notes. Is there like a venue version of John and like a other version of John? Is there like a, a group's version of Dan and like a home version of Dan? Are you a venue mom, but your kids are like, we got the real mom here. <laughs> yeah, real both rock. I didn't put my clothes away and booyah. Is there ins to you? LOL. Love venue church tonight. Pastor's preaching out of the park. You can do that if you want. And then there is the, is that the version of you that like, and um, don't ask me what I did last night or last summer. It's no wonder people have trouble with God if all they see is us. Now this here, you know, the other sides of the series, because I've never been an atheist. I've always believed in God. Even in the hard times, I just didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't know what he wanted with me. And so I had to do a lot of research. Now, I grew up in the church, and I'm preaching about hypocrisy in the church. I got like 100 million stories I could draw from. I got crazy stories. So I just had to like pare it down, and you're only going to get a few of them. But if you're like not a Christian and not a Christ follower, and you've, you've seen the hypocrisy in the church, you're going to be like, this is refreshing. The rest of us are going to squirm a little bit. Because there's a piece of hypocrisy in everybody. But before you look at the hypocrite out there, let's look at the hypocrite in here. Whether or not you're far from God, look at the hypocrite inside of yourself first. Because if the church finally got rid of all the hypocrites, don't you come. Somebody's just getting that right now. A friend of mine said one time, um, they started coming to our church from a different church. And... uh, they're like, yeah, the pastor of our previous church came out to our acreage one time when, when we were having, 
having like a, you ever have like a, there's like Christian you and then there's like the other you that uses different words and stuff like that? Anyway, she said, yeah, all of a sudden we look up and we're in the middle of like a fight fight on the acreage and it's like, oh, Pastor Ed, what a pleasant surprise. (laughs) You walk in, in here unannounced like that. I didn't have time to get my game face on. That same couple went on a mission trip with my, in my dad's church growing up, went on a mission trip with my dad, never paid for it. I just got attacked by a devil moth right there. You come back here, I'll step on you. I'm going to step on you right now. All right. You can't keep me down, devil. Is it coming back? Oh, we'll, we'll fix you. Distract me. So they went on a mission trip. Cost a total of five grand for both of them. A trip to Africa. It's a costly trip. It's costly to get there. Um, five grand. Got mad about something in the church and left. My dad's like, hey, like, I'll, I'll, I'll cover you. My dad said, I'll cover you because my dad's just a good guy. He's got no place to put something like this. He's like, I'll cover you until you can pay me back. Well, they just got mad and left about something and kind of sort of saved. Hypocrites. We, um, we got a phone call a couple months ago. This is going to be a little closer home. It was pretty funny, actually. Somebody said, uh, just so you know, somebody with a real Bose rock uh, sticker on their vehicle just flipped me off in traffic. <laughs> Look, and seriously, I don't have any problem with you flipping somebody off in traffic. Just take a sticker off your car first. Like. We'll give you other church stickers to put on there if you want to. <laughs> yeah, I got a bit of a problem you flipping somebody off in traffic. Now, now so I did what I, what I do, and I... I I asked Pastor Aaron, like, hey, call this guy up and follow up with this, right? And so, and so, uh, so she did, because she had to. And it turns out the guy in traffic had actually felt like he was being followed too closely by this person and, and then stopped at a red light and got out of his vehicle, went back and screamed at him. I'm thinking, well, the guy grew up in L.A. You just get shot. If you don't get shot by that person, you get shot by the person behind him and the person in front. Like, you just get shot. I'll try to keep the ignorance in traffic down. But is there, like, a, a venue version of you and, like, a traffic version of you? A road rage version of you? <laughs> I'm making a little fun of you. Hypocrisy is the space between. Maybe who, who you are now and who you ought to be. The word hypocrisy means... I had a young man in, in my uh, kitchen a couple months ago, and he wanted to be an actor. Not an actor. There's a difference. An actor. And the word hypocrisy in the Bible, as we see it, and as we're preaching about it tonight, as we're talking about it tonight, the word hypocrisy means acting, meaning I'm putting on an act for you to see. Now I'm thinking about my favorite actors, and, and I'm, thinking, I'm thinking like Denzel. Solid. Equalizer 2 coming out. No, I didn't watch the first one. I did watch the first one with Pastor Aaron. Um, I think about like Denzel Washington, who, who else is a great actor. My, one of my personal favorites is Liam Neeson. 
I will find you. I will hunt you down and I will find you. I would love to say that to somebody on the phone. I don't have the skills to do that, but I would love to be able to say that. Somebody on the phone. I loved him and Michael Collins. Don't watch that with your young kids. It's about the Irish Revolution. It's got some cussing in it, but it sounds cool because it's Irish. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm kind of mostly kidding. Um, I think about the actors, but you know what? You know, to be a successful actor, you have to create this huge space between who you are in real life and who you're pro- portraying. Right, yeah, that's right. Right? So Denzel Washington, in his real life, I hope, in a hardware store, has never shot somebody with an air needle. <laughs> equalizer, you know, whatever. I think that's what happened in the equalizer, yeah. I think about some terrible actors that, that I can't stand, that have no talent, like, and are ugly. <laughs> like Brad Pitt. Oh, I just did. Kim, Kim, I just did. Actually, I love Brad Pitt. He's pretty good. And he's eye candy. But listen, you know, he's successful. I love World War Z. He's successful in there, but he's never actually fought a real zombie. So he's successful because he's a different person on screen than he is at home. That's what makes him successful. How about we create Venue Church where we're all terrible actors? Where who you see is who we are, and it's what you get. And if we're a mess, well, at least we're honest about being a mess. Now, there's like being honest about being a mess, but there's also being honest about being a jerk. Like, hi, I'm a jerk, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that, and so should you. Tell you what, why don't you stop being a jerk and quit telling everybody how much of a jerk you are and how cool you are with that. Okay, there's that too. But there's this other thing where we're trying to put on a false facade so that you think I'm different than I really am. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the church. What do we do with it? My, um, my mom and dad, my pastors were terrible actors, and I love that about them. They just were who they were. We grew up in very religious cultures, which that didn't really fit in. It didn't fit the bill there because everybody else had this other thing going on. Now, I was the kid growing up that I was just, I just, like, I don't know, I just, I was taught, like, speak the truth. Speak your mind. I also got disciplined more than other kids because I spoke the truth and I spoke my mind. A lot. I remember growing up in the Christian community. Now, I can speak about some of these things, and I will speak about these, some of these things, because I think covering sin does not honor God. One time, I, I'm not going to say this is sin, but I'm just kind of just track with me here. One of my school teachers, Christian school teacher, said, okay, I'm not happy with the provincial average. I think that it should be above 60. So my solution is, for all of you, I'm just going to knock 10% off of all of your test marks. So my hand goes up. I look around. I'm like, I guess I'll ask this for everybody. What are you talking about? Well, he goes and explains the whole thing again. I'm like, they're all good religious kids. They didn't ask any questions. I'm like, um, so you're mad at the province. And you're going to take 10% off of my test result. Uh-huh. What happens if I get them all right? You get 100. So if I get one wrong, I get 85? Uh-huh. It's like, jump in, guys. After class that day, I got a lecture about my Christian character. I never won a Christian character award in, in school, in Christian school. You should know that about your pastor. I never won one. 
don't know. How many people are you all baptizing? Sorry, how many people are you all baptizing now? Because the people we're trying to reach just want a little bit of truth. Just want you to be who you are. They'd rather follow you if you're real and messed up than if you're putting on something else. People are just sick and tired of that. I asked my daughter Arma when we came here. I'm like, you want to go public? You want to go Christian school? Like, look, put your kids where God tells you to put your kids in school. Homeschool. I mean, you want 10 kids? You want to homeschool? Get a big van. You want your kids to be lawyers by the time they're 15? Like, homeschool. That's awesome. You know how much energy it takes to homeschool a kid? Also, if you homeschool a child, please be able to read and write. My wife had a friend one time, and I'm just like, don't do it. She can't spell right in an autocorrect. I was like, you want your kids, like, you can, they're not going to get better than you. So, this is all random. This is all over you. I think you're kind of liking this. So I asked Arwen when she came here. I'm like, what do you want to do? And so uh, they were in a Christian school, and it was a great school. But they were in a Christian school, and she said, Tell, she said put me in a school where, where not everybody thinks that they don't really need Jesus or thinks that they know everything else. Ooh. She said, put me in public. That's our MO as a church. Put me in public. Now, I'm not telling you to put your kids in public school because that was just our family decision to be able to do that. Now, we had some other conversations like what certain types of words mean. <laughs> you didn't hear the other one. But it's very interesting that the old principal of my school that I went to when I was a kid called me up when I was coming here. I've seen him like two or three times in 20 years. He calls me up and says, where are you putting your kids in school? I'm like, who is this? The same guy that caught me coming out of a Bible class and told me I needed to walk away from my parents' beliefs in grade 10. Yeah. At a Christian school. And I thought to myself, now I'm just kind of, I just say stuff like this. I'm like, I thought to myself, I'll do what you do when I want to be you. But I want to be like my folks who are just real people, loving Jesus, that's all they got. Oh, and I'm like, huh. So now, what? Now you care about where I put my kids in school. Now, I'm not saying anything about Indian schools in town because I've heard great things about every one of them. And I have, and put your kids wherever God tells you to put your kids. And we'd put our kids in 15 schools in town. They're great schools. It has nothing to do with that. But I'm just saying for the image of what, I mean, we talk to this guy all this time. But see, the motto of the school was coming alongside the local church to help families raise not taking over. So what he said that day was out of line with his mission. Hypocrisy. Things I've heard in church culture. Sarcasm is sin. Rock music is sin. Everything is sin, basically. Sarcasm is sin. Is it? Is it? Really? I think what religious people mean when they say sarcasm is saying, look, don't be mean-spirited and cruel. That's just stupid. Don't do that. But what they mean is, like, don't poke fun at me when my words and my actions don't line up with each other. That's sarcastic. It's hurtful. No, it's hurtful when your words and actions don't line up with each other. So let somebody poke a little fun at you. Quit taking yourself so seriously all the time. Watching movies is sin. I heard that one. My hand in the air. Even cartoons, my friend's dad. Well, they're not profitable. Is going to the bathroom as often as you do profitable? I feel like you could probably like... Drums are from Africa and there are witch doctors there, so... Uh, So what? (laughs) 
Put the slide up for me. Hypocrisy, the distance between who you think you are and who you really are. The distance between who you think you are and who you really are. Just keep that up long enough for people to take that down, please. We, we get into the scary place in Canadian society where we make a pact where nobody calls out the fake in each other and pride and outrage follow someone who does. In the last couple of weeks, I was sitting across from a Christian leader and I don't care who you are, man. If you're a leader, if you're a leader, you're you're a steward. It's temporary, mom and dad. It's temporary. You're accountable. You got to get it right. If you're a leader, he said something kind of funny. I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but whatever. He said, "You'll never hear me saying." Then he said a sentence which he had just said on the other side of the argument. So I'm like, "Handy, look what you just said." That no, I didn't. You'll never hear me say it. I'm like, "I just heard you say that." Well, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did, actually. My wife's sitting beside me doing what she does best. <laughs> We're having, like, a Christian leader argument. <laughs> friend of ours sitting at the table said, actually, you did kind of say that. <laughs> Listen, the distance between who you think you are and who you actually are. Are you surrounded by four to seven people? That's what we want for you at Venue Church. Are you surrounded by four to seven people that can call you out? Because we all get... We're all not quite who we think we are. Are you with people who can honestly just call you out sometimes? In love and in kindness. Be like, oh no, you actually did just say that. (laughs) Do you have this gap between who you say you are, who you think you are, and who you really are? The disconnect between who the church is and who the world needs is called hypocrisy. Because Jesus was exactly who the world needed. And if the church doesn't reflect that, then the distance in between that and in between the suffering world is called hypocrisy. Because we should be everything that Jesus was. And Jesus came to leave the 99 and go get the one. And maybe the 99 shouldn't be in the sheepfold. Maybe they should be helping the shepherd get the one. And maybe that's why they feel so alone in the sheepfold. Because they're so worried about their problems. Well, your problems aren't quite as bad if you're cold and wet in the rescue boat. Because at least you're in a boat. We got people dying all around us here. And Jesus, was that's where he was. Oh, that's good. I'm going to start at the worst case scenarios here. If you're exploring faith or you're thinking about this, you've been hung up by this. I, I knew um, an older German gentleman who was actually the curator of the Glenbow Museum years and years ago, and his, his main issue with Christianity was the Crusades. How could people under the name and under the flag of Christ slaughter Muslims who wouldn't convert? What do we do about that? Robert Kuttner says the Crusades slaughtered millions in the name of Jesus. The Inquisition brought about the torture and murder of millions more. Skeptics claim the church in Europe killed more than 5 million women in the witch hunts. This is informed by Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. How do we answer these accusations? What, as a church, do we do with them? Well, first we have to admit that they did happen under the flag of Jesus. Many right now are doing awful things in the name of Christ. We can't get arrogant when we approach this church. We've got to get humble, get on our knees and be honest. But there's a difference between what's being said and what actually is fact, and we need to dig first and tell the real story. Now, there are a couple of reasons for such blatant hypocrisy. The first one is, and I want you to write this down, that many who go to church aren't Jesus followers. Just because you've been to church for 20 years does not mean that you live a life that pleases Christ. It does not mean that you've ever given your life over in obedience to Christ and surrendered at all. 
Paul the Apostle says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't like, hey man, you give it all to Jesus. There's nothing else to do. No, there's absolutely something else to do. But many people sitting in churches have never crossed the line to become Christ followers or have never kept progressing in this relationship. So you took what was free and then you sat there with it. And then you come to church and judge the sermon and judge the music and judge everything and you just like belly up to the buffet. But you're not out feeding anybody. So it's like the Dead Sea, man. All the... You're just getting fed and fed and fed and fat. But you're not fit because you're not out helping people. You'll point at somebody who who gets pregnant out of wedlock, but you won't help her. Come on, Jesus, be out helping. The church of God be out helping. There's a self-deception thing. Self-deception is crazy because we all have it in us. When we actually deceive ourselves, we tell ourselves a different story than we actually are. But some have adopted this like cultural Christianity and not really the person of Jesus at all. It's this cultural thing. Well, we need to look at the cultural aspect of some of the atrocities that have been committed under the banner of Christ because it was mostly cultural, not religious. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14 says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now this is coming from Jesus to a church. He says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. Did you hear that? I wish you were one or the other. Decide. You know that a lukewarm Christian can't be convicted of sin because they don't think that they have it? The first step to getting healed by Christ, Christian, and anybody is admitting that you're desperately sick and it's a, you're a disaster. God can't heal you if you're okay. You got it together? You got money in the bank? Hmm. He says, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize you're wretched and miserable and poor, poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. What's this? By fire. That doesn't look like our North American Christianity. Then he says you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. And then he says this, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. King David says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. What? Correction and discipline and change of direction and change of course. They make me feel good because I know you love me enough. It says if a father won't discipline his child, he hates his child. Quit telling yourself something different. You don't love them. But God loves you enough. Have you put yourself in the way of God's discipline? Have you put yourself in the way of correction? Are you who you need to be to your family? Are you who you need to be in this world? Matthew 17, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. What? In the church? In the church. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Look to yourself, Christ follower. Maybe we got a problem down in the core that Jesus needs to fix, but he can't fix it because you ain't got a problem. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not listen produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown to the fire. You like my preaching today? I'd rather hurt you a bit and save you in the end. And if you came into this like North American ridiculously soft Christianity, maybe you need to do it again. 
Because Christianity is this birth into this other life where your sin's got to be stripped away and you've got to walk away from that whole life that you used to have, all the good and all the bad and all the ugly. You just walk away from it and give your life to Jesus Christ. And so many people are screwed up because they came in thinking that it was Jesus' job to make them happy. So Jesus is what, the birthday clown? Jesus is not a clown. Clowns are freaky. They scare me to death. You're making balloon animals for you? No, he came to save you. He came to save everybody that you know, to give you a life that's rich and abundant and worthwhile and meaningful. Where you get a give and you understand, like, it's not about receiving, it's about giving. It's not about being healed myself, it's about healing somebody else so that God can maybe heal me. But if I don't get that, then at least I get it in the end. So you can identify people by their actions, verse 20. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. He's not talking to people outside of the church. We perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You break God's laws. It's not a game we're playing. He's saying, like, come on, dig deep. See, but what we want everybody to do, including ourselves, is, is we need to understand the essence of Christianity will always only be Jesus. Judge Christianity, please, by our master, not by his silly servants. He's the only standard. At least at Venue Church, if we miss the mark, we're not going to move the target to where the arrows go. We're just going to keep the target where it is and say, we miss the mark. Let's, let's get it. We can do better. We, let's get this. Number two, the first one is not everybody sitting in church is a Christ follower. Examine your own heart. If you haven't crossed that line or you're not living a life that pleases Christ, do it. We have room in the baptism. We'll stay up till four in the morning and get your baptism video done if we need to. Well, I won't. I'll go to bed. The production team will. <laughs> Number two, not every Christian is completely sanctified. Now, this is where we get into this other place in the middle here. Not every Christian is completely sanctified. Sanctified means completely holy. Now, you're never going to get completely sanctified in this lifetime. It means completely set apart for God. As holy as God is, that's what sanctified means. Like, totally, I don't have an impure thought or action or touch or anything anymore. Like, it all belongs to Jesus. Now, when you get saved, you are not very sanctified. That takes discipline and time and time in the kingdom of God and time around honest people and hard work. It takes years of hard work. We are not saying that you can make it and be like Jesus as perfect as he is on this earth. We're not saying that. And we have an advocate with the Father when we do screw up. But sanctification must be the goal for every Christ follower. We've got a lot of Christ followers who are not very sanctified, including your pastor. But what do we do with that? Not every, you're exploring the faith. Uh, Mark, pastor Mark said in his book that their church was expanding, but the, the people would be late to church because they hadn't been to church much, and so they'd be late to church, and they'd try to get a seat. So they'd park, and some of them would park on like the neighbor's grass, and one guy parked on the neighbor's grass. He had his tires on the neighbor's grass, and the neighbor got out and started yelling at him. The guy's like, he's not a Christian. Well, maybe he's just a Christian, but he's kind of new, kind of sort of saved. And he yells back at the homeowner like, screw you, I'm late to church. Get your family in church. <laughs> it's a sanctification process that takes time. You're not going to wake up the next day and be a completely different person than you were. Now, God can, in a moment, heal you of addiction and heal you of pain, and he can. But you're going to have to put your hands to the plow. You're going to have to work this through. You've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why don't we learn people's stories first before we judge them so quickly on their hypocrisy, even in the church? Maybe that's all they know because that's who their dad was. Now, you're a mess. I'm a mess. We want to lead you into becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is our goal. 
We don't want to just get you saved and baptized. That is the beginning of a discipleship process. That is a lifelong process. That is what we are committed here to do. Not everybody makes it. I'll be honest. Not everybody we baptize makes it. It's hard, man. The way is hard. The road is narrow. Not everybody wants to work it out forever. Do you? Can you, find, can you dig deep and find that grit? Keep your eyes on the prize? We are committed to doing that and helping you do that. To, to make you, not just bring you into the kingdom, but to make you fully devoted followers of Christ. That's a different animal. We say, do what we do for a year. Watch how your life changes. Watch what God does. Watch a miracle can happen, man. Just do what we do for a year. Get in a small group, come to NXT, get involved on a dream team. Start doing life with people. Get serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do what we do and watch your life change in the course of a year. You give me a year and I'll give you the rest of your life. Actually, give me three years. Some of y'all. But look, isn't it possible that the atrocities that have happened under the banner of Christianity has happened from people who are completely not Christ followers at all? Or has some sort of faith in God, but it's interesting that not every type of faith in God saves you. The devil has faith in God. He believes in God. That he died and rose again. Like he was there. But that faith doesn't save him. Why? Because he's never let Jesus be Lord of his life. So that's the disconnect there. So, so the atrocities, we have to say they are so against the person of Jesus Christ that every atrocity ever performed against a person was, was performed against a person whom, for whom Jesus died, hung on a cross and bled out. So it's possible then that not everybody who did those things was actually a Christ follower or having some sort of faith in God did, was not a sanctified Christ follower in any way. Um. So let's look at some of the actual facts and actually get down to some of the things in the accusations that the church does need to respond to somehow. Not everything that you hear is actually fact. I worked with a tradesperson from British Columbia, and, and if you're from British Columbia, welcome to the promised land. <laughs> it just seemed like I just talked in a period of a few weeks to a lot of weird BC tradespeople, and he said to me, you know, 9-11 didn't happen. I read something on the internet. Right? Not everything you read about Christianity, not every claim that is made against Christianity is true. Dig deep. So the Crusades, were they religious wars? No, they were, it was culturally Christian. It was culturally, so, so the king would become Christian and make everybody else be a Christian too. What does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Wars were political and nationalistic and had nothing to do with Jesus at all. See, the Roman Empire under Constantine hijacked Christianity to continue its horrible conquest. Nothing to do with Jesus. Just because you profess faith and make everybody under your rule a Christian. What does that mean? It's not personal. Northern Ireland. We look at Northern Ireland with the Catholics and the Protestants. That was not a religious problem. That was a socioeconomic problem with revenge and horrible things going on there. It was political. It was who would have control of the country. It had nothing to do with Jesus. They weren't arguing about matters of doctrine around the cross just to make sure that everybody knew the real Jesus. Are you kidding me? You don't put a gun in somebody's mouth if you know the real Jesus. I mean, come on. It's not like that. But Christianity is always warned against leveraging power over people. It's warned against leveraging anything but love. But when Christianity gets in the seat of political power, it often falls asleep, and it attracts the powerful to it. Where Jesus didn't come to bear a sword, 
We see that he could have done that to Rome, but he didn't. He came to pick up a cross. Very different. Look at the good that's happening in the world right now. And most of it that's happening in the world right now is happening by Christian organizations. They are picking up a cross and following Jesus. They are helping the impoverished. They are doing something. They are sacrificing their own lives to do this thing. True religion is feeding orphans and widows, not making them. That's a good tweet. True religion in the sight of God is feeding them, not making them. Anything that ultimately hurts people in the name of Jesus is against Jesus. In the Da Vinci Code, Dan Brown claims that the church in Europe killed 5 million women, and I quote that 5 million women part, during the witch trials over 400 years. Carl Sagan said, and I quote, no one knows how many supposed witches the church killed altogether, perhaps hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions. That's like asking your two-year-old, like, how many cookies did you steal? Perhaps one? Perhaps a hundred? I don't know. <laughs> the Salem witch uh, trials did not kill thousands of women. In actuality, it, it killed fewer than 25. Most scholars estimate today that between 40 to 60,000, 20% of whom were men, uh, were killed in the witch trials in Europe and in North America. Like every one of whom Jesus died for. The real numbers are not millions and millions of people. The real numbers are... If we add up everything that has been done under the banner of Jesus Christ falsely, the Crusades, the Inquisition, the witch trials, we're looking at about 200 or 250,000 people. Again, every one of whom Jesus died for. How do we respond to these things? Well, an atheist might say, well, you have to respond to all those things done in the name of the church. Really? I have to claim what they did? No, I can claim my sins and put Jesus on a cross, but the church, under flying under the banner of, of Jesus, doing these things, these were not people who were following Jesus in any way. These were people that were hurting the name of Christ, hurting the person of Jesus Christ. Every time you hurt somebody, it hurts Jesus. But then if I have to, as a Christ follower, respond for every nut bar out there doing crazy, blowing up abortion clinics, doing crazy things in the name of Jesus Christ... Well, then should we hold the atheists accountable for the atheist regimes? See, you don't replace God with nothing. You replace God with something. Freud replaced him with sex. Hitler replaced him with eugenics and race. The motherland, the fatherland. Stalin replaced God with the state. Marx. In the last hundred years, the replacements of God under atheist regimes, in the last hundred years, Hitler killed six million Jews and gypsies and homosexuals. And the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, two million. Stalin, 20 million. Mao, 60 to 7 million of his own people. A hundred million in a hundred years versus 200K in 500 years. 500 times as much. 500 multiples in 100 years. Not that we're okay with the other number. And we'll never be okay with it. Where were the true Christians in the faith? Where are the true Christ followers who would stand up against these wicked, wicked people? But then we must also look at the wrongs in the world that Christians are trying to make right. And we look at poverty and we look at 
human trafficking and there are Christians standing in the gap for these girls. Giving their lives for people that they don't need to. They could live in comfort someplace else, but they don't. William Wilberforce went crazy on those calling themselves Christians who supported slavery. He went at them, but his solution was not to take God out of the picture. It was to put more God in. How dare you treat people like this in the name of of your Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for them. They are of no different value than you are. He went at it. Many are taking up a cross and not a sword. See, church must be a hospital for those with downcast eyes. Where grace and sin meet. Where sanctification has begun, but isn't complete yet. For those of us who come to one more worship experience asking for one more sin to be forgiven one more time. If you can, God, forgive this thing one more time. Luke 18, Jesus said, he told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their own moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. (laughs) Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other tax man. The Pharisee posed an actor and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid like this tax man. The tax man was like a mafia man of his day. He says, I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Please tithe on all your income, it's okay. (laughs) And fast and pray. That's not really the point of this. He was just quite proud of himself for all of this and realized there was a separation between him and the tax man, but maybe there shouldn't have been a separation in his heart. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his faith in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy, forgive me a sinner. Jesus commented, this tax man, not the other one, homemade right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be, to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. It's funny, I had to deal with a situation one time. I walked out of my office, dealt very strongly with the situation. With a, Look, if I see a train coming to you at your family, I'll say whatever I need to say. I don't care if you like me in those moments. Jesus is trying to save you, and sometimes it takes a strong person to do that. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. I care more about your family in the future than I care about your feelings right now because everybody's been so careful with your feelings. That's why you you act the way that you do and why I act the way that I do because nobody calls me on it. And I walked out of my office and I had a strong conversation and a loving conversation, believe me. You want to, I can't even tell you the stories. It's their own story to tell. The restoration God has done in families in the last couple of months. Dead in the water. Dead in the water. I'm going to say we're going to baptize a family. Listen, listen. That's not even what I was talking about before, but I just remember this. I can't remember who I was talking to. I walked out. I had to say some strong things, and then I walked back in to pray in my office, and it's interesting that I just this switch just clicked inside of me, and I didn't lift my eyes to heaven like I had something to prove or was anybody there. I'm, no, I'm nobody when I go into the prayer room. I'm just a servant. Like, God, I just, what do you want me to do now? I just, just make sure there's no sin in my heart, God. I just want sin to be in my heart, God. Could it not be great solace when we find those inside of the church who are not sanctified yet? It's easy to judge the hypocrite out there. But it could it not be great solace to find unsanctified people in the church because maybe there's hope for you. Maybe we could take one more unsanctified people and start working with you a day at a time. In the grace of God, you start working with us. Maybe there's hope for all of us. 
But Venue Church, we need to create something very intentional and much more honest than church cultures in some regards have in the past. But when we get things wrong, we would beg you, if you're on the outside of faith, we would beg that you would, in the words of Tolstoy, attack me, or attack us rather than the path that we follow, in which I point out to anyone who asks me where I think it lies if I know the way home and I'm walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way because I'm staggering from side to side? It is time if you are on the outside of Christ to quit judging the master by his servants. It is time for those of us claiming the banner of Jesus to finally make him Lord of all, lest our neighbors have justification for resisting our Savior. And our takeaway this week for everybody is I would ask you this, what is it that you would sacrifice to the Lord your God this week? Is it your pride and a covered sin? You just made a deal? Holy Spirit doesn't make deals. It's Frank and Jesus. He doesn't make deals. Uncover your sin. Repent of your sin. Is it your stinginess and consuming and not giving? Is it your tongue if it doesn't line up with your life? Is it your life if it doesn't line up with Christ? What would the Holy Father of all require in a sacrifice from you this week? In the words of a king in the midst of a humble repentance, in the words of King David in First Chronicles, he says, no, but I will surely buy it for full price for I will not take what is yours for the Lord nor offer burnt offerings with that which cost me nothing. What will you bring to the kingdom of heaven today? If you have never brought your life, can we start with that? Father, I pray for every person here today that we would keep our feet on the ground, stay down in the dirt where our brothers and sisters are and where we are so often. That we would just lift our eyes to heaven, just ask for forgiveness of sins just one last time. That we would never be anybody in your presence but broken people in need of a savior. I pray that people looking in from the outside would see a different thing in the church, a different atmosphere of humility in the church. That we would close the gap between us and our neighbors as quickly as we can. Realize, no, we're all on the same team. We all have the same problems, Lord. Be unified with them and bring them to Christ who we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.